SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour number two of a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM channel one. Five, nine. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's Sports Grid, and I am Ben Stevens. Hour number two, we go all around the sports world. Major League Baseball, the National Football League, the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs on the PGA Tour as well. That is our charge up until 11 a.m. Eastern time, live right here on this Wednesday on TMA. How we ended out hour number one is how we start hour number two. When you take a rookie quarterback in one of the first couple of picks of an NFL draft, the idea is that rookie QB is probably going to start early on in his NFL career. The days of having a quarterback in his rookie season sit on the bench, learn from the veteran to guide him at this next level, those days are pretty much gone. It's really the case if you take a QB in the first round, even more so if you take a QB inside the top 10 or 15, almost a certainty at this point if you take a quarterback in the first five picks of the 2023 NFL draft. And that's what we saw. Three quarterbacks taken in the top four. Bryce Young, first overall to the Panthers. C.J. Stroud, second overall to the Houston Texans. And Anthony Richardson taken fourth overall by Indianapolis. The Colts announcing yesterday that A.R. is going to be the starter week number one for Indianapolis. We saw all three of these quarterbacks displayed on your screen start their preseason games in the opener for their respective sides. Bryce Young, four of six on three offensive possessions, 21 yards. C.J. Stroud got the start, only played two offensive drives. He was two of four for 13 yards and an interception. Anthony Richardson, probably the most burn out there. Three offensive possessions for Indianapolis. He was seven of 12 for 67 yards and an interception. None of the three rookie quarterbacks led a scoring drive in their opening three or two possessions in their opening preseason game. Elsewhere around the National Football League, a player that was on track to contend for the Rookie of the Year offensively last year in 2022, back at practice yesterday. His name, Brees Hall, about to enter year number two for the New York Jets after the acquisition of Dalvin Cook. Brees Hall, who tore his ACL week number seven for the Jets during his rookie campaign, was back at practice, cleared to resume activities yesterday for Gang Green. Brees Hall really came on incredibly strong in his final four games, even including the game where he got injured for New York a season ago. He scored a touchdown in that game. He had four carries for 72 yards, showing some of that explosive behavior out of the backfield. He scored a touchdown in all of his final four games during his rookie campaign. You can see the numbers for Brees Hall and why there is so much optimism for him to really take the lion's share of the load to be that lead back in this Jets offense orchestrated by Aaron Rodgers. For Brees Hall a season ago, in seven games, he averaged 66 yards per game but was really even better in his final four before that injury. Dalvin Cook, a guy that was a pro bowler last year 
for Minnesota. Ran for over 1,150 yards and played in all 17 regular season games for the Vikings. They will share the load in this New York backfield. There is a ton of offensive talent for Gang Green. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. Hour number two of the morning after. Live right here on this Wednesday, Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. So Dalvin Cook acquired on Monday. He will join Brees Hall in the backfield. It is a dynamic duo between these two. Brees Hall, the running back entering year number two. Dalvin Cook about to enter year number seven, but coming off four consecutive years as a pro bowler for Minnesota. We saw episode number two of Hard Knocks last night following the New York Jets around training camp and preseason. There was some express concern out of Robert Sala and the offensive line, some of the issues they had last week in Carolina in joint practices against the Panthers, but they did stomp Carolina in their second preseason game, 27-zip. Speaking of a second-year player, that's Brees Hall for New York. It's also a quarterback in San Francisco, Brock Purdy, formerly Mr. Irrelevant, but we don't really call him that anymore, who obviously was a key component for San Francisco on their run to an NFC championship game last season, but did tear the UCL ligament in his right throwing elbow in that NFC title game. He has been back at training camp, but good news for San Francisco. He has been cleared to practice consecutively. He does not need an off day in between. That a good sign for the 49ers because Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, everybody in San Francisco has remained adamant that Brock Purdy is going to be the starter week number one. Not Trey Lance, not Sam Darnold, there to provide some veteran depth in the quarterback room. It is Brock Purdy who is now the starting quarterback for the 49ers. San Francisco starts their season on the road in Pittsburgh against another second-year quarterback in Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. San Fran booked as a three-point favorite on the road. You will see a rather low total for week number one. It's 40 in a hook between the Niners and the Steelers. It's the second lowest over under of the entirety of the week one slate around the National Football League. We go back to the daily bases around Major League Baseball. Up next on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Daily Basis around Major League Baseball live right here on this Wednesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Craig Miss joins us here as always as we go around the Daily Basis. He is our Major League Baseball insider on SportsGrid and the host of Newswire starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Craig, as always, great to have you on the show on this Wednesday. Of course, man. Always great to be here. I get my cup of coffee, a little workout in, and then boom, it's Ben Stevens' time. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And then not too long from now, about 45 minutes, it's Craig Mish time again on Newswire starting at 11 a.m. Eastern. Craig, we go around Major League Baseball, an intriguing series out in Northern California by the Bay between the Giants and the Rays. Tampa took game one by a good margin, 10 to 2 on Monday evening. San Francisco returns the favor last night, a 7-0 shutout 
of the Rays. And then today, some day baseball in San Francisco where the Giants going with another bullpen-type game, an opener against Aaron Savali, acquired from Cleveland by the Rays ahead of the trade deadline. Craig, how significant is this matchup and this series between the Rays and the Giants, two teams in the wild-card races in their respective leagues? Yeah, we'll have to keep a close eye on the Rays at this point with just everything that has been happening to them. Of course, they have the Wander Franco situation going on, and then we get the bomb dropped yesterday that Shane McClanahan not going to miss just this year, but miss next year too. And, and those are things that mm. embedding Ben, like, and, and just like you and I, it's very hard to quantify. I don't cover the Rays, so I'm not in that clubhouse. But you know, you got to wonder sort of what is going on there and the morale for that team. And we're just going to find out how strong their leadership is at this point because. They've definitely had to go through it. Lots of injuries and now the off-the-field stuff, too. As far as the Giants are concerned, still sort of hard to figure out how they're always good or pretty much always good every year with these like sort of platooning situations going on. It is only one game, but every game is kind of critical down the stretch. I, I would think clearly when the Giants play the Dodgers or they play teams in their own division in trying to catch the wild card, I think those games are clearly more important. And it's sort of odd to me that we get in this point in the season – where a team yeah. that's fighting for the playoffs has to use an opener in any game at this point of the year. Like you just had the trade deadline. You got to get that straight, but uh, it, it tough, tough one to call today for me. I think just given the fact that uh, the giants are have played better yesterday, uh, it is a quick turnaround for Tampa Bay and boy, to get inside the heads of what's going on there. It's really hard to do. The odds have flipped as well. San Francisco now a slight favorite on the money line. The Giants had entered yesterday against Tampa, desperately needing a win, having lost seven of their last ten. They get it. San Francisco a game and a half up over Miami for the second of three wild card spots in the National League. Craig, it's interesting when you look at the wild card standings in the NL because the top five teams, including the Phillies at the top and the two National League Central teams that are just outside looking in, the Cubbies and the Reds, all five of the teams on the screen right there that sit at the top ahead of the Diamondbacks within just three and a half games of each other, Craig. So how competitive is the race going to be for the National League wild card here down the stretch? will again turn things around a little bit uh cincinnati i feels like they're hanging by a thread at this point waiting for them to get some players back and that's really the key for them they have they've had india out they've had fraley out they've had hunter green out lodolo i mean it's hard to overcome that when your payroll is what the reds are and they really didn't do a ton at the deadline either so for me i i do think as we've talked about i i do think it comes down to miami and chicago in the end and the marlins right now are just trying to weather the storm of this very difficult schedule uh, they came back against the yankees to win a game now they're playing houston then they go to the dodgers next and then they play the padres after that and that series is like a knockout series for the padres they have to beat the marlins i yeah. would think in order to stay in it so a uh, cubs schedule is is fourth easiest in all of baseball and i think that moves up to third uh, after this week too so uh, if you look over on fan graphs and the odds to make just the postseason, and you showed the pennant, I know that, but the odds to make the postseason, it is a dead heat for that third wild card between Miami and Chicago. So, again, I think it could come down maybe to the last week of the season.
Philadelphia sits in the top spot despite dropping three consecutive games. Toronto in the third and final spot in the American League. They opened up a quick two-game set against the Phils yesterday with a victory. Craig, on this three-game slide for Philadelphia, they've only scored two combined runs, and they're going to need to hope to generate some offense today against the ace of the staff in Toronto. It's Kevin Gosman, but on the other side, it's Aaron Nola for Philadelphia. The Blue Jays booked as nearly a dollar and a half home favorite, minus 148 currently live on the money line with a total that represents a pitcher's duel on its way down at seven and a half. Craig, what's the breakdown for today in Toronto? Look, I, I, I'm never someone that when I look at a line and I see him, oh, anything over minus 150, I just rarely find value in that. But based on the way that Kevin Gossman is pitching, and we'll talk about that coming up, there's just simply no way that I'm going to fade him. You know, Certainly there's a chance bullpen-wise late in a game, anything can happen. But first five with Toronto looks good. The other thing, too, is that you know I, I don't think you've ever heard me say the word parlay on this show before. I don't think I ever have, but maybe today is that day to just you know pair them up with the Dodgers, who have won uh, nine in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. so, so maybe maybe that's the way to go is to just pair two teams together that are just playing so well. But you know, any any time you Ben, you lose a minus one fifty, you lose it's like a losing a, a play and a half. So it's just never something that I recommend. The Blue Jays have gone under their pregame numbers, by the way, in 10 of their last 12. That is certainly the trend at this moment for the Jays. Speaking of the Dodgers, they have won nine straight games. They snapped a four-game win streak for Milwaukee. Clayton Kershaw gets the start today against the Brew Crew. Craig, what are you seeing currently out of L.A., a team that is 13-1 so far in August? Yeah, they're now finally... It seems like they've turned the light switch on, and you wondered that early in the year. And I and look, I made the point. I, I thought, you know, they put Kershaw back on the IL to give him some rest. JD Martinez was out for a little period of time. It just kind of felt like the Dodgers were like, ah, we'll wait till the end of the year, and then we'll start winning because we exhausted ourselves last year. By the time the Dodgers got to October, they looked like they were just completely flat and they got knocked out. This is the time that you want to start to get hot. It looks like the Dodgers are there. Look, this is just this should be a Dodgers win today. You know, you never go against a trend like this when a team has won this many games in a row. I know people like to do that and say this is the night they lose and this is the night they lose. Uh, uh-uh. <laughs> not with the Dodgers minus two forty-five. So clearly a stay away. I was fighting between picking Kershaw and Gossman tonight in daily fantasy. I'll, we'll reveal that in a minute, but I did not take uh, Kershaw. Yeah. I guess I just gave the answer there. We'll get to DFS in just a moment, but one final game in Southern California to break down. The Padres ending a three-game skid yesterday against Baltimore. They get Blake Snell on the bump today in San Diego. They're booked as a minus-178 home money line favorite. Quickly here, Craig, is there time left for the Padres to make a run in that National League wildcard chase? They're the only team that I think that can do it. They're the only team that can have a run where they win five, six, seven in a row and get back in it. They're running out of time. Talent-wise, they have it. Gary Sanchez, what an ad he has been out of nowhere for the Padres. He's been smashing the ball in the second half of the season. I do think they win today again. I mentioned their matchup coming up with Miami next week after Miami gets done with L.A. I think the Padres probably have to win two out of three or sweep Miami to get back in it. If Miami wins that series, I think the Padres are out. 
The Padres five and a half games behind Miami right now for that third and final National League wild card spot. All right, Craig, you gave it away. Kevin Gosman is who you're looking at from a pitching perspective for the DFS slate. But what about elsewhere on this Wednesday in MLB? Yeah, hate to do it. Don't ever love coming on this show and saying, you know, spend all the way up for the top pitcher. But if you're going to do it between Kershaw and Gossman, I think Gossman is the clear choice. He just has quality start after quality start. More strikeouts right now than Kershaw, too. So I got to dig down deep. Lane Thomas against James Paxton. He crushes left-handed pitching. One of the best left-handed mashers in all of baseball. Lane Thomas of Washington. Put him in the lineup tonight. The DFS slate now. The PGA Tour up next year on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's the postseason on the PGA Tour. The second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs, the BMW Championship. Everybody in the hunt for that FedEx Cup title we welcome cam rogers here on this wednesday on the morning after on sports grid breaking down the pga tour with the best of them cam of course from believe he also hosts believe me on stadium each and every week the host of the lock it in podcast as well cam we appreciate your time thank you for joining us here to get us ready for the second leg of the fedex cup playoffs What's up, Ben? We are talking playoffs, the final regular-ish PGA Tour event, because next week we've got starting strokes. We've got all this Mm. interesting elements, if you will, as far as handicapping is concerned. So small card for me this week, Ben, and then next week it gets very interesting. Cam, here we are as a sports betting media network where we focus on the news around sports betting. And there was a story that came out last week around Phil Mickelson, a guy that we know is one that enjoys gambling every now and then. But it was a large story about the sums that Phil would put on various sports betting ventures, even a story about him trying to place a very large wager on a Ryder Cup on Team USA in which he was involved. Now, Phil Mickelson has been a very big focal point, Cam, over the last two years or so in all of the drama in the golf world with his stance on joining Live Golf, some of his comments on the PGA Tour, and obviously where things stand right now with that eventual merger coming down the line. And then you add in this story on Phil Mickelson as well. Cam, what do you think Phil's rep is right now in the golf world? Well, if you ask Lanny Watkins, who won the PGA Championship back in 1977, Phil is the most disappointing figure in golf. Now, I don't know if I would say that necessarily, Ben, but he has been a curious case for honestly the last half decade. You've seen a big-time personality shift in this guy ever since he joined to live. He's like ashamed that he went over there and what have you. He took the $200 million, blah, blah, blah. And I never chastised him for it. I was like, hey, go get your money. Go get your bag. But now you see all these stories kind of come out, right, about his gambling habits and maybe pushing the envelope a little bit. You know, it's interesting. I actually taped already this edition of Believe Me on Friday, and Brandon Lang, who we all know, there's a movie about him, Two for the Money, Sports Betting, all that good stuff. He knows Billy Walters very well, and he told me that 
he often is not blown away by people he meets. He was blown away by Billy Walters, just the character, the decorum, etc. Right? Because Phil denied the whole Ryder Cup bet thing. So that means that somebody's lying. And after my conversations with Brandon Lang, I am inclined to think that Phil Mickelson is the liar in this scenario. And what Billy Walters is talking about here is very real. It's an issue. Maybe it's still an issue for Phil. Maybe he needs to tune into SportsGrid more and talk about bankroll management. I don't know, Ben, but this really isn't all that surprising, I hate to say. It's interesting because Phil Mickelson, for the majority of his golfing career, put on the goody two-shoes. Look, the thumbs up to everybody he would pass in the crowd. He seemed like a wholesome gentleman. Not necessarily the case as you peel back the curtain on Phil Mickelson, but he's on the Live Golf Series. We focus on the second leg of the PGA Tour postseason. The FedEx Cup playoffs now at the BMW Championship just outside Chicago. Olympia Fields is the site for the second leg of this FedEx Cup playoffs, Cam. What do we need to know? What are the keys to this course? Get ready for a grind-it-out affair here at Olympia Fields Country Club, the north course just outside of Chicago, par 70, just a shade under 7,400 yards. We're talking about 91 bunkers on this golf course, bent grass greens with a POA mix. This course is very demanding off the tee. You won't be hitting many fairways. The average at the U.S. Open, by the way, back in 2003, as far as hitting fairways, 54%. We actually got a similar number back in 2020 for the BMW Championship by which John Rahm won. That is a Rahm type of golf course. Grind it out. Difficult affair. You know, separates the weak from the strong, if you will, from the driving yep. perspective. Seven of the top 12 finishers in that 2020 edition of the BMW Championship were ranked inside the top 10 in strokes gained off the tee, Ben. Driver, driver, driver. Otherwise, if you are spraying it, what have you, you are going to struggle on this golf course. By the way, only five golfers were under par in 2020. Usually, I am in on the approach game, birdie-making ability. This week, I am keying in on the driver. If you are just a little bit off here this week, you are going to struggle. And typically, Ben, in FedEx Cup playoff events, the cream rises yeah. to the top. I think that will be the case here this week. It could be a chalky week. Cam, that was going to be my question. Here we are. We're getting to those very significant times with the second leg of this FedEx Cup postseason. And, of course, when you look at the top of the odds boards, it's very familiar names. Roy McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, and John Rahm. That grouping of three that has been really at the top of every price we have seen all season long on the PGA Tour. So, Cam, from the keys to the course to the actual golfer that might play this track the best, whose game suits Olympia Fields the best out of the favorites you see on your screen? Well, the obvious answer is Rory McIlroy, but you have that short price right now at plus 650. Now, of course, you're going to get that when you only have 50 golfers in the field and what have you. Makes sense, right? Rory's driver is fantastic right now. Number one in strokes gained off the tee over the last 24 rounds. I think John Rahm is very much live to win at this golf course yet again. Nobody's talking about him right now, but he's starting to heat up. Played well last week at the FedEx yep. St. Jude Championship. My pick, though, further down the board, 22 to 1. It's his time, Ben. Tommy Fleetwood. He is finally going to win on the PGA Tour. He has been knocking on the door all season long, much like Ben, Jason Day, Justin Rose, Ooh. 
Ricky Fowler, they were showing signs, they finally won. That is going to be the case here this week with the Englishman. He's got four top six finishes in his last six starts, sixth in the all-important strokes gained off the tee stat over the last 24 rounds. Tommy, make it happen, my man. 22 to 1, Ben. 22 to 1 right now on Tommy Fleetwood, who sits 10th in the FedEx Cup standings. A win this week heading into the Tour Championship at Eastlake in Atlanta next weekend would be incredibly significant for Tommy Fleetwood in the chase for a FedEx Cup championship. So as we look at the standings, Cam, and we correlate that to the markets we can bet on, finishing in the top 10 this week is probably going to pay off in a big way. So Cam, from the handicapping perspective in the top 10 finishing position odds, how important is it for a good week as it relates to your playoff standings? Well, it matters a lot if you're toward the back, right, Ben? 49, 48, something along those lines. You need to make that massive jump really inside the top five as far as the FedEx Cup playoffs entering the Tour Championship. Else, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, you're going to struggle, right? You know, you're not going to win the thing. Typically, this starting strokes thing is very, you know, important as far as being inside that top three, top five. So somebody like a Sam Burns is interesting to me. You're getting him at plus 350 here this week over at FanDuel. He burned me, pun intended, just like for many last week. Everybody was on the guy, but... I think yeah. now is the time for a bounce back. He led the field in ball striking on Saturday. He was 20th on Sunday. So you're seeing some momentum there. And momentum is very key here at the FedEx Cup playoffs. A good number, too, at plus 350. So Sam Burns has to make a charge. You got nothing to lose, right? Just go for it here this week. Motivation supreme at this point of the PGA Tour season. And at this point, Cam, we are seeing the best in golf on a weekly basis so when you look at the matchup boards that we have this week it's good versus good it's great versus great it's best versus best cam how significant are these matchups this week at olympia fields so hard well done by FanDuel with these matchups because you are splitting hairs with these guys but just going down the board here love john rom against scotty scheffler rom coming off that t6 dare i say scotty is fading a bit back-to-back -back finishes outside the top 20. Mm. rory and cantley this one's hard rory missed the cut last week could be concerning i don't know the driver's still fantastic cantley owns this event coming off back-to-back -back wins i will lean toward cantley in that scenario though hovland zandler Love Hovland this week. The ball striking is fantastic right now. And Xander has kind of just been relatively absent on the PGA Tour since the U.S. Open. Yeah. Fleetwood, my pick to win. Like him there. Give me more Kawa over Tyrrell Hatton. And those are my matchup picks right there. But again, very, very tough here this week. Way to look through the board right there. Best versus best at this time of the year on the PGA Tour. You're also looking at Colin Morikawa in your other picks, Cam, for the BMW Championship. You already gave us Tommy Fleetwood as your pick outright to claim the title this week at the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs at 22-1. to 1. Where else makes the card this week for the second leg of the FedEx Cup? Mr. Steady, Corey Connors for a top 20 here this week, 16th on tour and strokes gained off the tee, mostly due to that fabulous driving accuracy coming off a solid T6 last week as well, Ben. And the putter is working. Who would have thought with Corey Connors, three straight events, gaining strokes with the flat stick. So like him a lot here this week, Colin Morikawa. Yeah, you're laying some juice, but it's an automatic bet for me. 
He is such a great grinder, performs well on these difficult golf courses. And then keep an eye on Cam Davis, plus money in this scenario. He was T6 last week at Memphis, and he made a big jump inside this top 50. So he's got momentum, Ben. Keep an eye on Cam Davis for a top 20. We know momentum is significantly important at this point of the postseason. Cam Rogers, the host of Believe Me on Stadium and the Lock It In podcast for Believe We appreciate your time as always. We go around the National Football League up next, live right here on this Wednesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Time to make a band with Chantel Chan. Live right here on this Wednesday on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. That is Chantel Chan joining us here to get you ready for a new NFL season going around the headlines early this week around training camp. Week number two of the preseason starts tomorrow and we're just about a month away from the start of a new NFL regular season. Chantel, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you for being here on this Wednesday. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. Always a good time. So one of the biggest storylines yesterday, Chantel, the Indianapolis Colts naming Anthony Richardson, the starting quarterback for week number one. AR, the third and final quarterback taken in the first four picks of the 2023 NFL Draft. Of course, it was Bryce Young going first overall to Carolina. C.J. Stroud, the second overall pick to Houston. And Anthony Richardson, fourth overall to Indianapolis. Chantel, the days of being a young rookie quarterback sitting on the bench trying to learn your way around the National Football League are far gone. If you're taken in the first round, certainly in the top 10, you're expected to start from day number one. So Chantel, from the three quarterbacks that were taken in the first four picks, of the 2023 NFL Draft, who do you believe has the best rookie campaign? I think it actually might be Anthony Richardson, and I'm only saying that because we are going to get to see him play a lot. And when you take a look at what we saw in the preseason, I know we didn't see too much, but Anthony Richardson getting the QB1 position. I believe we're having some audio technical difficulties with Chantel. We'll hope to have her back in just a moment but it is interesting when you see those three rookie quarterbacks taken in the first four picks of the 2023 nfl draft it's the new wave coming in here at the quarterback position in the national football league bryce young was named the starter in otas early for carolina cj stroud not officially named the starter just yet for houston but did start their opening preseason game expected to get the start week number two i think we all believe stroud will be the starter for the texans this year and then anthony anthony richardson named the starting quarterback by shane steichen for indianapolis this upcoming season Chantel, you are back we are glad you are back. Please pick up where you left off. Yeah, as I was saying, I'm going to roll with Anthony Richardson because he is going to get the playing time. And you take a look at what we've seen so far in the preseason. I know it's a small amount from all three of those rookie quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson is going to be on the field. And he has a very high ceiling. We know that he can be explosive. And just from what I saw in the preseason, I like what we saw from him the most. And then you take a look at Bryce Young. And he's a guy that looked pretty poised in the pocket. He was doing his thing, but he was taking some massive hits. And my big 
biggest concern for a guy like Bryce Young is how long can he sustain those hits throughout the season? Because at some times it was looking a little bit scary. As for CJ Stroud in Houston, listen, from what I saw in that small amount, I believe he went two for four. He threw a pig, didn't look that great. But my biggest concern for CJ Stroud was that O-line. And there was really no pass protection for him yeah. as well. And so when I take a look at CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans, my biggest concern is actually there. But I think the fact that the Colts are really going to roll with Anthony Richardson, let him learn. I think he might have possibly the best season. There's going to be ups and downs, trials and tribulations for all three of these quarterbacks. But I think the fact that he is going to be getting that experience is going to go really well for him. All three rookie QBs did get the start in their opening preseason game. None of them led a touchdown drive. Three offensive possessions for both Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. Only two offensive possessions for C.J. Stroud. Stroud expected to be the starter in H-Town. We don't know that just yet officially. Bryce Young has already been named the starter in Carolina. It's always interesting, Chantel, because you have rookie quarterbacks taking the reins of teams that are not expected to do all that much. It's why they were drafted in the first five of the 2023 NFL draft to begin with because their team struggled a season ago and maybe the outlook hasn't changed all that much. From one and two, Bryce Young, number one, C.J. Stroud, number two, what can we expect this upcoming season? Well, I think for Bryce Young, I think there is a lot of pressure on his shoulders, but I think if he can just perform to his level, and from what I saw in the preseason from that small amount, like I mentioned, he was very poised in the pocket. It just goes to show as well, because they were playing the Jets, how good that Jets D-line is and how much depth there is on that D-line. But I think if he can sustain these hits throughout the season, I think Bryce Young is going to give us some great TV moments. As for a guy like C.J. Stroud, I think one of the biggest things going into the season is, of course, his offensive coordinator is Bobby Slowick. And because of that, I think a lot of people were also saying that had a little bit to do with Brock Purdy's success. So I think for a guy like CJ Stroud, what he takes from a guy like Bobby Slowick and really dives into that offensive playbook, I think CJ Stroud is going to struggle a little bit more than Bryce Young just because of all the questions in Houston with, of course, that O-line. Six and a half is the win total for Houston. The under heavily juiced for Bryce Young and Carolina. A seven-win football team last year that was originally slotted to pick ninth overall. Not first overall, but they traded up with Chicago. Maybe there's a chance for Bryce Young and the Panthers to compete in that division. We also got news yesterday, not a rookie, but a second-year pro now who was on pace in his rookie season to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. That's the running back for New York, Brees Hall. Back on the practice field for the New York Jets yesterday, Chantel, another offensive piece in the arsenal for Gang Green and Aaron Rodgers. Chantel, how do you feel about the New York Jets entering 2023? Oh, well, the Jets are looking to be a favorite for a reason. And it looks like Brees Hall feeling a lot better back in the mix. And this is a guy that when he got injured in week seven, he was extremely explosive before then. But also, I believe he was one of the most exciting players in the league. I think he rushed for over just 400 yards, had four touchdowns in just seven games. And also, he was rushing for about just under six yards per carry. So the fact that Brees Hall is back, and then you're also going to be adding Dalvin Cook in 
into the mix. This is going to be a very exciting two-back tandem. And, of course, we know what the offense also has with a guy like Aaron Rodgers as well. And he has his pieces that he's familiar with uh, from when he played with the Green Bay Packers. So the Jets right now are looking very good for a reason. And I think there's hype on them. And I think I might even be believing the hype at this point. Brees Hall tore his ACL week number seven for New York last year. He was limited in workouts entering this training camp, but now he is back on the field getting ready to go alongside Dalvin Cook, who was signed by the Jets on Monday evening, a one-year deal worth $8.6 million, all part of the offensive talent around Aaron Rodgers with the sky-high expectation in New York, a part of of a division, Chantel, that is expected to be one of the best in the National Football League this year. The Jets have the second best price to win the AFC East at plus 250. The Bills are the favorites, plus 120. The Dolphins have that third best number at plus 290. And the Patriots, the fourth and longest price at 8-1. to one, But still, they're expected to be in the fold. Chantel, how competitive is the AFC East going to be in 2023? Yeah, I think we're going to be arguing that this might be the best division in football. When you take a look at those odds there, if I'm looking at the Jets, that plus 250, there is some value there. And of course, we know why the Bills are the favorite, right? They've been number one in that division for a little while now. And of course, Josh Allen, he still wants to win that Super Bowl. And the Bills have a very good chance. But when you take a look at the Jets and everything they have put together, we haven't even talked about the defense yet and how real this Mm. defense is. You got Quinn and Williams, Gardner and CJ Mosley you even got uh, depth on that D-line we've seen what Jermaine Johnson can also do in the preseason but their biggest issue is their O-line that's my only concern for the Jets their O-line is a little bit questionable but if the Jets can get it together that plus 250 makes a lot of sense for me but this is going to be a highly competitive division all year long we saw both of those things on display last night. Quinnen Williams, a terror in the middle, a huge offseason extension for Quinnen Williams, the second highest defensive, second highest paid defensive lineman in the NFL now, only behind Aaron Donald. But then the offensive line was struggling so much so that Robert Sala admitted it on Hard Knocks just last night. We mentioned the New England Patriots, the fourth and longest price in the East division at 8-1. to one. They also made an acquisition at the running back spot earlier this week. Ezekiel Elliott, a new home now in New England. He was expected to fly to Patriots practice yesterday, start to gear up with this team as they look to insert him later here in this preseason. I think the question, Chantel, around Ezekiel Elliott is, is he ready to go or is he washed? What do you think, Chantel? Zeke will do with his time as, as a member of the Pats. Okay, so here's the thing. I think we all know that Ezekiel Elliott is never going to be that same guy from OSU. He's never going to be that same guy from his rookie campaign for the Dallas Cowboys. But one thing that Bill Belichick can do is he can make these athletes come into the system these players come into the system and make it work for some strange reason i think ezekiel elliott is going to be used in like short yardage positions you know goal line runs and all of that and i think that's where he's going to have his success i don't think they're going to use him as an every down back and of course you look at the past they still got ramondre stevenson as well ty montgomery so this is going to be ezekiel elliott being used to be efficient And I think that's going to work for him. I don't think we're going to ever see the old Ezekiel Elliott. I wouldn't say he's washed because I think he's going to serve a purpose with the Pats. 
It's exactly that point, right? What is his role with this team? He is not going to be the guy that was that outstanding rookie or a pro bowler back in 2019, but he's still excellent as a pass blocker, and he scored 12 times a season ago. Maybe Ramondre Stevenson, fantasy owner, is not too happy to hear that, but he does have a role with the Patriots moving forward. So, Chantel, let's take a look at the Super Bowl odds as we get ready for the season. We're just under a month away from the start of 2023 in the National Football League with preseason week number two getting underway tomorrow. The Chiefs remain the favorites at 6-1. to one. The Eagles, the second best price, 8-1. to one. A little bit of movement for the next three teams. The Bills go back. The Bengals remain, as do the 49ers. All of those teams tied for the third best number at 10-1. to one. So, Chantel, as you look at the odds for Super Bowl 58, what's your evaluation? I mean, all of that kind of really makes sense when you take a look at who's the favorite. But for me, I think it's really the San Francisco 49ers at plus 1,000, and there's lots of value there. I've always said if Brock Purdy never got hurt in that championship game, what would have been for this San Francisco 49ers team? And I know they're going to be without Bosa for quite some time, but this is still a 49ers defense that is extremely stacked. You still got Armstead. You still got Hargrave. They still got a very good secondary as well. Uh, Traverius Ward, Hufanga. This is a very very good San Francisco 49ers team. And then you take a look at their offense, which we haven't even talked about. Kishin McCaffrey came in as a midseason addition and looked great in a 49ers uniform. Debo Samuel, George Kittle, the list goes on. This team is extremely stacked. And if Brock Purdy can emulate what he pretty much did last season to even a little bit, I think the San Francisco 49ers is going to be an absolute problem. When I take a look at that value at plus 1,000, lots of value there. That's where I would be placing my money. And, of course, if they can stay healthy, they're going to be a big problem in the NFC. It was very good news for San Francisco just yesterday as well. Brock Purdy back on the practice field, recovering from the UCL injury he suffered in the NFC title game. No longer needs days off between practice. He can be there consecutively, working with the talent and the starters as a member of that San Francisco offense. Chantel Chan, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday on the morning after. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. We round out the show with a best bet up next here, live on TMA on this Wednesday on SportsGrid. Come back and join us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. We close out our two hours together all across the SportsGrid network in Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. And this is the new SportsGrid app, the ultimate sports betting companion app, now available for download at the Apple App Store and the Play Store as well for all of our iOS and Android users out there in the dog days of summer where the WNBA turns on of course the daily bases around Major League Baseball maybe some futures bets for football you have all of our information all of our insight in the palm of your hand after you scan that QR code or just go to your favorite store and download the new sports grid app five-star plays on a daily basis as well you can consider those best bets here's another one that kind of tickles my imagination on this Wednesday So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time 
for Bye Bye Bye. When you look up and down the Wednesday MLB slate, there's a couple of intriguing spots, but one that stands out from a number perspective. Justin Verlander gets the start for the Houston Astros today on the road in Miami against the Marlins. And the Astros are only a minus 112 money line favorite. Verlander has been pretty good for Houston in his two starts since returning to his former club. He has given up only five earned runs in two starts. He just won his most recent against the New York Yankees. Now, when you look at what Verlander has done, really in his final seven starts with the Mets, now in Houston, he's been the caliber of the American League Cy Young winner that we saw last year for the Strohs. And the Astros are playing good baseball at this moment. They picked up a 6-5 to five victory over Miami yesterday, looking to take the advantage in the series today. So with Justin Verlander on the bump, we simply look at the money line. The Astros, a slight road favorite, down in South Beach, minus 112 against the Marlins. That does it for this Wednesday, live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. We're back tomorrow on a Thursday starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk then.